Hey everyone, this is Cobain the Christian. I want to thank everybody who has subscribed so far and who has uh, become a patron on my Patreon. If you have not yet become a patron or if you haven't subscribed, please consider doing either. Um, patronage only if you are financially in a good place. Uh, today I want to make a short video, and I really committed to that, uh, on Jeremiah. Uh, so this is another edition of Bible Bits. It's just going to be very... Um, concise uh, enunciation of Jeremiah's prophetic career, uh, what sets him apart, uh, and some interesting features that we see in the text, particularly in his prophetic calling. Uh, now I have Jeremiah 1, uh, 6 and following listed there. Uh, then I said, this is after God calls him to be a prophet, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Now, I've bolded and italicized that because this is clearly a reference to Exodus 3. Uh, in Exodus, God calls Moses to be a prophet, and Moses is some slow of speech. He had some kind of speech impediment. Paul also had some kind of speech impediment. Uh, this is also something you see in major um, Christian figures outside the scriptures. It's, it's something of a trope in the real structure of the world. For I am only a youth. The Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Uh, now this phrase here, put my words in your mouth, comes from Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 is speaking of the prophet like Moses, and God is going to put his word in the mouth of the prophet so that whatever the prophet says must be obeyed. Now I do think Deuteronomy 18 refers to a unique messianic prophet like Moses. I think the evidence for that would be the note at the end of the Pentateuch which says, and there never was any prophet like Moses who did signs and wonders that Moses did for all Israel. And that really only makes sense if it's a notation which is written kind of at the end of the Old Testament period. Uh, but Jeremiah, nevertheless, uh, is described in allusion to Deuteronomy 18 because, typologically speaking, he is a new Moses. He fulfills certain mosaic type roles in the history of Israel. And he does this both in a positive way and in an ironic reversed way. I want to talk a little more about something I haven't put up here on the screen. Uh, behold, I put my words in your mouth. Then, verse 10, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, Jeremiah is now a living vessel through which the word of God is active in Israel. But the prophets of Israel did not do their work just to tell people stuff. Rather, the prophetic word was creative and active in shaping and structuring the people of Israel to be the people that they needed to be in order to fulfill the role that they needed to fulfill. And this is often conceived of in terms of agricultural or floral terminology. Israel is a tree, or it might be conceived of as a forest, and it can be healthy or unhealthy. It's a vineyard, which sometimes produces wild grapes. So Jeremiah, as an instrument of the prophetic word, must root out and pull down, destroy and throw down, but also he builds and he plants. Um, and then we hear, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Now, this word for almond here is watcher. Um, same word. 
then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Now, the you have seen well corresponds to the fact that Jeremiah sees the branch of a watcher tree. It looks to me like Jeremiah himself is the branch of this watcher tree. So Jeremiah is a prophet like Moses. He has this Moses-like calling there's nothing in his form which would recommend him or set him apart in the eyes of men there's oh wow what an amazing guy jeremiah is he's described in terms of that messianic prophet like moses he's an instrument for the word of god which is in the new testament will be called the logos he both brings judgment and he brings rebirth and he's described as a branch now this anticipates in the book of jeremiah another branch which is the branch from david in jeremiah chapter 23 and the branch of david is of course the theological center of the book and of israel scriptures as a whole the branch of david is the one who bears fruit so that the whole world might be renewed of course we know him as jesus the messiah in relation to Jesus the Messiah, Jeremiah 11:19 uses an interesting phrase. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised schemes, saying, Let us destroy the tree with fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. Now, there are two phrases here that we see uh, taken from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is about Jesus. It's about the Messiah. We know that it's about the Messiah because Isaiah 55 describes everything that has happened in the preceding chapters as fulfilling the promise made to David in the Davidic covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David is fulfilled in these chapters, and that means it's messianic because messianic texts are about what happens in the life of the son of David. Uh, but it's interesting here that, that this phraseology is used in the book of Jeremiah to refer to the prophet himself. Now, we've seen how Jeremiah is described as a new Moses, both in terms of the reference to Deuteronomy 18 and in terms of the reference to Exodus 3. He's a new Moses, both in the sense of typologically resembling Moses, and he's a new Moses in the sense of typologically anticipating the distinctive figure who is known in the Pentateuch itself as the new or second or last Moses. And the connection that this has to Isaiah 53 is that the figure of Isaiah 53 is a new Moses. When God says uh, of the servant that I will give him as a covenant uh, to the people. The servant is the one who gives Israel a Torah, a law, and he will extend that law and that justice to the nations. And these vocations uh, of being a covenant, of making a covenant with the nation on God's behalf, of serving as a proxy bridegroom on God's behalf, and of course, in the case of the Incarnate Word, it's the distinction between proxy bridegroom and bridegroom proper dissolves. Uh, but Moses is a proxy bridegroom and a proxy father for Israel in the Pentateuch. That's why in Numbers, Moses complained, you know, did I'm sick of these people? Did I nurse them? Did, did I uh, give them birth? Um, I don't have the same relationship intrinsically to the nation that you do. Um, but he does as a prophet who is indwelt by the spirit and the creative word of god so here's the moment where we can talk about the two distinct ways in which jeremiah is resembles moses in one sense it's an ironic resemblance right because moses is the prophet who facilitates the establishment of the sinai covenant under which israel enters into the promised land 
for the first time under Moses' immediate successor. And Moses warns, if you break the covenant, there's going to be curses, the preeminent curse being exile. Well, Jeremiah, in this sense, is not like Moses at all. He's the anti-Moses because he's not the prophet of the entrance into the land. He's the prophet of their departure from the land, the exile, which reverses the inheritance. And so when, uh, when the prophet writes about the leadership uh, of Israel, he plays on this mosaic type um, imagery by describing uh, the Israelite leadership in terms of Pharaoh. So he's a prophet of an anti-exodus of the exile. He prophesies judgment. But there is a sense in which he's also prophesying redemption. One of the stories in the book is that the men of the land, which is a phrase referring generally the very the kind of the urban aristocratic elite um, in Rome, it would be the Roman Senate. The, these are the men of the land in Jerusalem. They own Israelite slaves who they're supposed to release uh, in the seventh year, and they refuse to release them. So Nebuchadnezzar comes and he uh, and he sacks the city. And at first it's a light sacking, but he has to come back again and again, and eventually he burns it to the ground. Um, and uh, the men of the land release their slaves when it's apparent that God is about to bring the hammer down upon them. But when they are pardoned and they're spared and the danger seems to avert, they take their slaves back. And so here, it's the Israelite leadership which is serving as the Pharaoh-type figure. It's the Israelite leadership from whom Israel herself needs to be redeemed. This is something we see in the New Testament in relation to the Israelite or the Judean leadership. Herod is described as a Pharaoh-like figure. When Matthew takes that phrase from Hosea, out of Egypt I called my son, and when he applies it typologically, because Jesus is the ultimate son of God, the personal embodiment of Israel, um, the Egypt of Matthew is not, in fact, uh, Egypt proper, because it's not referring to Jesus' return from Egypt back to Israel, it's referring to Jesus' calling away from Israel to go into Egypt as protection from Herod, who is the Pharaonic figure. So Israel herself has become a kind of Egypt. And this corresponds in the book of Jeremiah to the hope that many of the political leaders and the aristocratic elite are placing in Egypt, are placing in going down to Egypt. The idea in their minds is that uh, the Babylonians, well, they seem to be on the rise now, but the Egyptians have been a very stable and consistent force in this world for a very long time. The Babylonians are not going to be able to defeat them. Uh, but it's clear in the text that God has given the world to Babylon. And this isn't just an accident of history. God has chosen to give the world to Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm not sure of the exact chronology in terms of when Nebuchadnezzar would have known this in relation to the distinct prophetic oracles in the book of Jeremiah. But if we believe the Bible, which we do, uh, then Nebuchadnezzar was fully aware that the God of the universe, the creator, who was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had given him the world because Daniel was at his right hand. Daniel was counseling him. When Nebuchadnezzar sacked the city for the final time, Daniel was standing right by him, which is why he must have been a hated figure in Israel, as James Jordan points out. Daniel was one of Nebuchadnezzar's trusted counselors, and Nebuchadnezzar, uh, uh, all of the evidence from the book indicates that he was redeemed. I mean, Daniel chapter 4 describes his baptism from water, by waters from heaven, and it's as true a profession of faith as you're going to find anywhere in the scriptures. Um, 
Anyway, so Jeremiah is both the anti-Moses in that he's the prophetic, uh, he delivers a prophetic word of judgment, reversing the inheritance as Rahul secured in your Exodus. But he, he's also a Moses in that he liberates the oppressed within Israel from their aristocratic oppressors. Please note political discussion in the comments. Uh, and he does so in large part because he shares in their affliction. He shares in their suffering. Jeremiah is persecuted uh, by these same folks. He's constantly prophesying against them. Uh, and the key point I'm making here is that this persecution is couched in the language and the terminology of the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. Uh, Jeremiah's sharing in the affliction of the oppressed within Israel and the consequent deliverance of that oppressed remnant within Israel from their oppressors is understood thereby to be an anticipation of the messianic work, which does the same. You look at the end of Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, you'll see that from uh, the time of the book, to the redemption is 1290 days. Now, 1290 is 430 times 3. 430 is the time that uh, time from Abraham to the Exodus. Galatians 3, 430 years, Abraham to the Exodus. This is considered collectively the Egyptian sojourn, split into two equal periods of 215 years. Um, and only in the latter 215 years were they actually within the borders of what we would generally call Egypt. Um, so there's a triple Egyptian sojourn in the period from the, uh, uh, the decree of Cyrus to the redemption that's enacted by Christ. And that oppression doesn't begin at the moment of the decree of Cyrus. It takes time for it to begin. Um, and I believe, if I'm recalling correctly, the three oppressors in order are... Uh, the uh, Antiochian uh, dynasty, including Antiochus Epiphanes. Then you have um, the corrupt Maccabeans. Very quickly, the Maccabean dynasty became corrupted um, and became an oppressor of Israel. And then after that, you have the joint corruption of the Herods and the high priests. So in the book of Revelation, you have the little horn of Daniel 7 is revealed in the vision of the land beast of Revelation 13 that the same figure, the land beast, is the little horn. Um, the little horn in Daniel 7 is called a beast. And we see in Revelation 13 all of the attributes of the four great beasts of Daniel 7 are summed up in one um, creature. And then the that creature is the beast from the sea. And then there's a beast from the land who is the kind of counterfeit people of God and the counterfeit Messiah. Um, which is prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. And the little horn, uh, it has a twofold nature. Um, it is governed by the Herods on the one side and the uh, high priests on the other. And the high priests are uh, clients of the Roman state who are self-interested uh, and who are not Zadokites as they were supposed to have been. Uh, so you have a triple oppression uh, a triple Egyptian oppression from which Jesus liberates the remnant of Israel, as Jeremiah does. Egypt, Jesus does so by sharing in the afflictions of his people. Jesus is persecuted by this very same power structure. It's the Herods and the high priests, according to Luke's gospel, who together conspire to facilitate the execution of Jesus. And it's ultimately through that that uh, mankind 
and Israel in particular uh, is redeemed. Now it's it's notable, whatever you think of post eighty seventy Judaism, that uh, the principal coordinators in the execution of Jesus were eradicated from existence. I mean, there there was no Herodian dynasty after that, uh, and there there were no Sadducees anymore. The Sadducees disappeared from history. Even the Pharisees, and people connect the rabbinic tradition with the Pharisaic tradition, the Jerusalem Talmud refers to what's called the plague of the Pharisees, and it lists, uh, I believe it's 11 different kinds of Pharisees, and nine of them uh, are described as corrupt. And the, you, you read what, the, what it says about the kind of corruption. It's exactly the sorts of stuff that Jesus was saying. Um, so uh, there was a judgment on Israel corporately, uh, but also in particular and especially on those groups which are most involved in the execution of Jesus and the persecution of the church. So the last straw, as it were, is the murder of James, the brother of Jesus. So it's as if they murdered Christ a second time. They mur murdered an intimate member of his family. And that was coordinated uh, by this high priestly class. Uh, in fact, he was the first major leader of the Jewish revolt, which led to the destruction of the temple and the Sadducees. Finally, as we've touched on, Jeremiah is not only a destroyer, he's also a planter. His prophetic word creates a new world for the children of Israel. His prophetic word sets in motion uh, a pattern of events and a process of development within the consciousness and mind of Israel, which will grow gradually through time until it is prepared to be harvested and taken advantage of by Jesus who comes in the fullness of the times. So uh, that's what we have for today. It's not as short as I wanted it to be, but still relatively speaking, 17, 18 minutes is pretty good for me. So uh, have a good one, and I will see you tomorrow.